Well, good morning. Welcome back to the Broadcast Retirement Network. I'm Jeff Snyder. This is BRN AM for Tuesday, January 9th, 2024. At our top story today, alternative investments continue to make gains and improve retirement outcomes in U.S. defined contribution plans. And joining me now to help break this down and discuss this and a lot more, John Epstein is the executive director of Decalta, and Avi Tureski is with Aries Management Corporation. Avi, John, great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us on the program this morning. Thanks, Jeffrey. Happy New Year. Thanks yeah. for having us. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's a great conversation. We always love talking about different perspectives as it relates to retirement. And John, I want to start off the conversation talking about Decalta. I want to ask you if you could share some insight into the organization. We've featured you before in, in past years, uh, but talk a little bit about the membership and the research that you all perform on a annual basis. Sure. <clears throat> Thanks, Jeffrey. So as you may know, we were created back in uh, 2015. So this is actually our ninth year uh, in, in, uh, in existence. Uh, we were structured uh, as a nonprofit organization. And with that, our mission is to not only enhance, uh, but secure participant retirement outcomes through research. Uh, we do that through educational efforts, uh, as well as advocacy. And we focus on the benefits of including different types of alternative investments uh, in defined contribution plans. Typically, um, for your viewers, the DC plan marketplace in includes traditional 401k plans. Um, as an organization, uh, we also believe strongly that uh, allocations to any type uh, of alternative should be professionally managed. Um, they should be designed with participants' uh, interest in mind and, and as well as diversified uh, and within your typical target date fund balanced or managed account option. These are what we call, we use a lot of acronyms in our industry, as you know. So these yeah. are your, your QDIAs or, or qualified default investment alternatives where employers can default participants uh, into these options. Yeah, uh, we are, I'm sorry. I was just going to interrupt. We are an industry of jargon. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, as far as the membership, I, I would say since the last time I've been on the show, uh, we have grown. Um, we've probably doubled in size in, in just the last two and a half years. Uh, I like to refer to our membership base as, as a collective voice. Um, and when we look at, at this uh, collective voice now, the composition uh, has certainly changed uh, with just the, the, the traditional dynamics in the industry. Um, so, uh, you know, if we were to break down our membership, we have plan sponsor representation. So these are the, the fiduciaries, uh, the folks that actually make uh, investment decisions uh, and are responsible for them. We've got the, the asset servicers, the asset managers, uh, investment platforms, uh, valuation firms, consultants, uh, really anyone that supports our mission. Um, we we like to look at our membership base as, as continually striving to represent uh, the entire U.S. retirement ecosystem. Uh, Avi, I want to come to you because uh, alternatives, alts as we call them in, in our industry, can mean a lot of things to a lot of different groups. What type of investments are included in the category of alts. Yeah, thank you, Jeff. Uh, when when we think about alts, uh, we're talking about private assets, which you can also sometimes call illiquid assets. And those are uh, assets that can't easily be traded like stocks and bonds. 
Uh, that covers a variety of different private asset classes. Uh, probably the most prominent are private equity, private credit, private real estate, and private infrastructure. Uh, each of these private asset classes has a public cousin too that I'm sure your viewers are familiar with. So for private equity, that would be stocks. For private credit, that would be bonds. For private real estate, that would be publicly traded REITs. So what distinguishes alts is their private nature. Um, that is, all, alts managers are able to, say, buy companies in the case of private equity or lend to companies or other borrowers or, or lend to companies, yeah, or other borrowers in the case of private credit through privately negotiated transactions. These managers, the alts managers, the private managers often have access to tools to create value that private managers, uh, that sorry, that public managers just don't have. Private managers have access to tools that public managers don't. Um, so for example, when a private equity firm buys a company, they can swap out the management team, they can give the company access to resources to grow internationally, they can choose how the company uses capital markets. These are all things that if you are an investor in, in a publicly traded stock, um, even if you're an institutional investor, you typically can't do. Uh, and it stands to reason that some private market managers will be able to do this uh, better than others. Uh, it, it turns out also that we can look at the historical performance of different private asset classes relative to their public cousins and see how they've added to portfolios and why institutional investors like them so much. So the first chart that I'm going to show you here this is U.S. public equity versus U.S. private equity. And you could see that going back to 2007, prior to the financial crisis, from then until today, private equity has performed better than public equity. It's given lower observed volatility. These are things that investors typically like. And then we can look at private infrastructure, just to give an example of one other private asset class. And we see the same thing that the private asset class has produced higher returns with lower observed vol. So these are things that investors like, and these are things that, you know, it stands to reason that a DC participant would want to have in their portfolio in the same way that a large institutional investor would. And, and, and to that end, I mean, this is something that institutional investors, pensions, endowments, foundations, other big pools of assets have typically invested over time and gotten that those returns. But how do you, how best can alts be deployed in a DC plan? John mentioned QDIA, but Avi, how, how would you best deploy this type of asset class in a defined contribution or 401k type plan? Yeah, so that that's a, an interesting, that's an important topic. And that's one of the areas that we do a lot of work on in, in Dick Alta. And the challenge is that despite the advantages of alts, it can be challenging or maybe even impossible to get a, a traditional private market fund as a standalone option in, say, a 401k. And the reason is that alts funds are typically organized differently than public or, or liquid funds. They tend to work under what's called an LPGP structure. What that means is that investors will make an upfront commitment. So let's say an investor commits $100 to a fund. The manager will then call that money over time, say $20 at a time as it buys companies or invests in real estate 
or lends that money out. And that doesn't work in the DC world. That doesn't work as a standalone option. You as a participant um, can't be in a situation where you make a commitment and then the manager is gonna call you every few months and say, I need $20 or I need $100. Um, and for that reason, what we're seeing is planned fiduciaries include alts within target date funds or other multi-asset funds. And this really comes out of the collective voice of Dick Alta and is what we're seeing in the, in the market. Now, by doing that, by putting alts products into a target date or into a multi-asset fund, you're able to get those return and vol advantages of private markets while also using liquid assets for that liquidity piece. We think that's a, a pretty elegant solution to that. Yeah, and it's very analogous to the pension or to the endowment, how that, that is typically managed. John, I wanna come back to you. You talked about the, the growth of Decolta in terms of membership, uh, the types of firms, the type of entities that are participating. What about the trajectory of Alton DC? What, is that, what does that look like, especially over the last few years? Yeah, well, I, I would say selfishly, I've, I've been measuring the the, the growth in in, uh, in alternative investments just by by growth in our membership. But we also have a partnership with CEM Benchmarking, who tracks very large uh, corporate uh, DC and NDB plans. And and the viewers can certainly go to our website to 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 look at this uh, more. Uh, more deeply, but when when we looked at uh, for the last um, the, the last two years, they had done snapshots of um, their database, which is uh, about 120 of the largest uh, defined contribution plans, and it represents uh, probably 1.2 trillion in plan assets. And out of the and I'm going back to the target date fund mentioned because out of out of the the 121 plans, 35% of them that um, that actually had custom target date funds allocated to private real estate. That is a very large number. We haven't seen that uh, in the last um, several years. That type of growth. Um, the the other type of alternative are the hedge fund strategies and risk parity, where um, all of the the plans that have custom target date funds uh, as options, uh, about 11% of those were allocated to to hedge fund strategies. So we are tracking it and we are seeing growth in it. Um, we're certainly at, at, I would say, at the beginning for private equity. We do have members within Decalta that have been uh, implementing and ramping up contributions to private equity, private debt, as well as uh, private real estate in their target date fund offerings. And then we're also seeing uh, in the state uh, defined contribution plans movement from a lot of the states like Washington and the state of Oregon, where they have included um, a unitized version of their pension plan as options for their DC participants. And those are very heavily uh, invested in alternative strategies. So for instance, uh, Washington and Oregon, just off the top of my head, I think we're we're probably in, in the mid 50s uh, as far as allocations to different types of alternatives. So we're seeing that happen in the public sector space as well. And again, the large corporate space uh, for DC plans typically uh, is the most innovative uh, and, and uh, they have economies of scale. And that's where we're seeing uh, growth in these types of, of alternatives. Yeah, it, it continues to, to grow. Well, John, Avi, I need to take a very quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of Decalta's research and a liquidity framework. You're going to want to stay tuned right here on BRN AM. 
Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future. This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa, the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. But what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses. I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 33 yeah. years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you gotta start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're gonna change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Welcome back. We're now joined by Sheridan Porter of FEV Analytics and Clint Carey, founder of Carey Solutions. Clint, Sheridan, it's great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us on the program this morning. Well, Sheridan, Clint, it's great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us on the program this morning. Pleasure. Thank you for having Pleasure. us. Yeah, it's great to continue the conversation. And, and we really appreciate John and Avi kind of laying the groundwork about Alston DC uh, and the work that the cult is doing. And Sheridan, I want to come to you because research, we're going to get into that more with Clint, but there's been some recent research done by DeCulta about a liquidity framework for including alternatives in DC. Can you just share some of the high points about that and what that looks like? Yeah, happy to. So the liquidity research that we conducted, again, we did, had a large committee uh, of contributing members of DeCulta to, to the research. Um, so we had at the beginning a, cover a wide, a wide scope, if you like, of um, points of view and main issues. The point that we tried to address here is that when we survey the industry, there are two main operational concerns in bringing alternatives into a 401k plan or a daily traded environment, and that is daily valuation, and the second is liquidity. Um, so we have developed and put out a paper on daily valuation, which was quite technical in its focus, and this one really focuses on uh, helping, uh, providing a framework that helps uh, plan sponsors parameterize uh, liquidity in, with, with risk at its centre. And the unique thing about this paper is that we didn't talk about risk in the usual kind of uh, quantitative uh, manner that you see many papers out there. We talked about it in terms of a, an algorithm, really, a telescoping process that takes the plan sponsor, walks through all the parameters of risk um, and allows them to determine what their risk appetite is and how that may shape then the decisions that they make uh, regarding liquidity, and uh, if they have conviction around the uh, benefits of including alts into their portfolio or into their uh, product offering, 
then this helps them, this style of uh, framework that we've produced will help them maximise uh, their risk appetite and therefore maximise the potential benefits of including them in their portfolio. And Clint, I want to come to you because, uh, you know, in reading the liquidity framework paper and, and hearing Sheridan speak, I feel like most of the main, and over the last nine years of, of DeCalta and other groups kind of advo- advocating and working through this, I feel like a lot of these main hurdles have been overcome. And, and I wonder, is it just more about education and, and you know, continuing to develop the white papers, con- continuing to educate plan sponsors, consultants, advisors, maybe that don't have a lot of experience or expertise around alts and, and some of the challenges that previously existed? Yeah, I think I think that's right. I, you know, certainly the industry over the last few years has created kind of an overall ecosystem for alternative investments in DC plans that really have overcome some of those core operational constraints that may have existed in the past through technologies and just the the new products that have become available in the marketplace. And to, so, to answer your question directly. Yes, I think building awareness across industry stakeholders becomes quite important as it relates to sort of advancing the opportunity to include the value of what alternative investments can deliver uh, for participants. Now, one of the things that we see with you know illiquid investments is there is an illiquidity premium, um, but in a daily traded environment, you know how do you put those those two things together? And we really think that. The framework uh, that that Sheridan mentioned really enables plan sponsors to get there. Now, what what it also says is it's very configurable, meaning each plan sponsor can take their own approach. Um, And and the industry has created this continuum of opportunity sets to take advantage of this illiquidity opportunity. So some approaches are more plug and play. Think of it as um, each investment manager is bringing their own liquidity buffer or process uh, to the portfolio, or other plans might hire expert allocators, either internally in their investment team or through an outsourcing arrangement to develop a more customized solution for their plan and to enable those illiquid assets to come in. Now, you know, the investment managers over the last few years have really created this very competitive marketplace uh, for these solutions, both in off-the-shelf targeted solutions, as well as what we see is um, actually a fair amount of penetration into the custom uh, targeted approach. One of the other things that we found in in looking at this is one of the myths that is out there is that perhaps, you know, participants will trade their money very quickly. And, you know, how do you manage liquidity when participants are moving all their money around? Well, in fact, when you look at the behaviors of plan participants um, in every year, including for the last 25 years, including those very stressful years, you can imagine the financial crisis, the, well, the dot-com crisis before that, and, and even the most recent pandemic changes or challenges, what, what we found is that plan participants stay the course. They have a lot of confidence in their targeted solutions, and so the, the, this fear of a participant-driven liquidity event just just does not exist, um, and so what we what we're what we're trying to do going forward with this bringing awareness campaign is to then start to dive in a little bit more into various topics around alternative investments 
to help plan sponsors get comfortable with perhaps private real estate, a paper we just put out, um, private equity or private credit, as Avi mentioned earlier, or just other alternative or liquid inter illiquid alternative investments, uh, easy for me to say, uh, yeah. into their DC. <laughs> as you were kind of talking about behavior, I'm thinking about some of the work that Shlomo Benarsi did, and actually that inertia is pretty powerful. A lot of people want that set it and forget it. They're not going into their 401k accounts on a daily basis um, at all. Sherrod, I want to come back to you because um, I want to ask you about how the research that was done on the liquidity framework intersects with the valuation paper that, if you remember back to 2020, DeCulta released. Yeah, great question. Uh, like I said, they, they, they really, the pair of papers do address to two large uh, operational, foremost operational concerns that people have. Um, and the daily valuation paper was really uh, a how-to, it was very technical in its focus. Um, and so what it did was bring a consensus uh, that, that, that allowed people to move forward. Like how, do, how can we do this that's acceptable? Where does the herd, if you like, sit? And it allowed people to understand how to do that without being terribly prescriptive, mind you. There is still a fair amount. You can think of the daily valuation as a platform or the paper as providing a platform for people to um, start and then tailor or customize their own approach if they if they so desire. Um, now, with liquidity, obviously, uh, the two the two operational um, procedures are closely intertwined. You can't manage liquidity very well if your valuation is not uh, nailed down and understood in all kinds of markets. Um, and so there, the papers are linked in that way too. And we do bring a position about that in the paper. Um, so we do encourage people to read both papers because they are addressing um, a continuum of issues, of operational issues uh, for plan sponsors. Yeah. And, and Clint, I just want to come back to something you, you talked about and, and Sheridan talked about it. Even John talked about it. I mean, this is an ongoing body of research. And I think you all have been, Clint, you've all been very open at DeCulta about accepting feedback. And, and, and as part of this education process, uh, you have to be open to input from outside. And I, I, I would just ask you, are, how open people can just send, uh, if they need some additional information and additional education, they can reach out to you all at DeCulta to get to at least begin to formulate that. Yeah, that, that's right. I think DeCulta.org is the right place to go to get uh, the information. What I what I'd suggest is this this idea that we're very open to receiving, like you said, feedback and participation in the conversation. Um, you know, Decalta is about a collective voice for the industry, um, and and that is a pretty broad um, set of stakeholders, right? Mm -hmm. Everything from plan sponsors to advisors to asset managers, platforms uh, providers. It, the list goes on, and you know, we we currently have. A number of research topics underway. I, I don't want to preview them all right now because, um, well, it, you know, we, we like to get a little buzz when they are, are coming yeah, out. Yeah, you want to tease the audience. You get them, get them. Hey, check the website. Real estate's coming out. Hopefully, uh, we'll be seeing you soon, Jeff, and uh, and chatting about um, some updated trends on what's happening in the the private real estate space. Yeah. Well, Clint Sheridan, it's great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us, and we look forward to having you both back. I'll be back, John back, of course, very soon. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. And that wraps up this episode of BRNAM. Have a topic of interest, someone you think we should talk to, drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest curated news and lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, so much more, and all in one place, 
Check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content? Well, then visit our website. We're back again tomorrow with another edition of BRNAM. We'll have a very special guest and a great topic. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe, keep on saving, and don't forget, roll with the changes. Now is your opportunity to co-create content around any topic on the first lifestyle and wellness network. Reach a global audience through our platform and co-own exclusive branded content. All of our programs are available on demand and also as audio-only podcasts so you can take us on the go. Broadcast Retirement Network, available anytime, anywhere, and on any device.